Chapter 7 Giving a dog a good name What do you do when a person who has been a good worker begin to turn in sooty works? You can fire him or her, but that really doesn't solve anything. You can berate the workers, but this usually causes resentment. Henry Hank, a service manager for a large truck dealership in Lowell, Indiana, had a mechanic whose work has something less than satisfactory. Instead of bowling him out of threatening him, Mr. Henke called him into his office and had a heart-to-heart -heart talk into him. Bill, he asked. Oh, Bill, he said, you are a fine mechanic. You have been in this line for walks for a good number of years. You have repaired many vehicles to the customer's satisfaction. In fact, we have a number of compliments about the good work you have been done. Yet, of late, the time you come to complete each job has been increasing and your work has been put up to your own old standards. Because you have been such an outstanding mechanic in the past, I still sure you know you would want to know what I am not happy with this situation. And perhaps jointly we could find some way to correct the problem. Bill responded that he didn't realize he had been falling down in his duties and assured his boss that the work he was getting was not out of the range of expertise and he would try to improve in the future. Did he do it? You can show he did. He once again became a fast and a thorough mechanic. With that reputation, Mr. Hank had given him to live up. How could he do anything else but turn out work comparable to which he had done in the past? The average person, says Samuel Walkland, then president of the Baldwin Locomotive Works, can be led readily if you have his or her respect and if you show that you respect that person for some kind of ability. In short, if you want to improve a person in certain aspect, act as though that particular trait were already, already one of his or her outstanding characteristics. Shakespeare said, Assume a virtue if you have it not, and it might be well to assume and state openly that other people have the virtue you want them to develop. Give them a fine reputation to give to live with up and will make good prodigious effort rather than see you disillusioned. George Lebnank in her book Souvenirs, My Life with Matterlink, described the startling transformation of a humble Belgian Cinderella. A, a servant girl from a neighbor neighboring hotel brought my meals, she wrote. She was called Mary the Dishwasher because she had started her career as a scholar scullery assistant. She was kind of monster, cross eye, bandy leg, poor in flesh and spirit. One day while she was holding up my plate of macaroni in her ha red hand, I said to her, point blank, Mary, you do not know the what treasures are within you. Accustomed to holding back her emotion, Mary waited a few mo moments, not daring to risk the slightest gesture for fear of a catastrophe. Then she put the dish on the table, sighed and said in ingeniously, Madam, I would never have believed it. She did not doubt, she did not ask a question, she simply went back to the kitchen and repeated what I had said and such is the force of faith that no one could make fun of her. From that day on, she was even given a certain consideration, but the most curious change of all occurred in the humble Mary himself, Mary herself, believing she was the Tabernels of unseen marvels, she began taking care of her face, body so carefully that she starved huge seemed to bloom and modestly hide her 
plainness. Two months later, she announced her coming marriage with the nephew of the chef. I'm going to be a lady, she said, and thanked me. A small phrase had changed her entire life. Georgette Leblanc had given Mary the dishwasher a reputation to live up to, and that reputation had transformed her. Bill Parker, a sales representative for a food company in Daytona Beach, Florida, was very excited about the new line of products his company was introducing and was upset when the manager of a large independent food market turned down the opportunity to carry it in his store. Bill brooded all day over his rejection and decided to return to the store before he went home that evening and try again. Jack, he asked. Jack, he said. Oh, sorry guys, I'm having... Jack, he said. Since I left this morning, I realized I hadn't given you the entire pictures of a new line and I would appreciate some of your times to let you know the points I omitted. I have respected the fact that you are always willing to listen and you are big enough to change your mind when the facts weren't a change. Could Jack refuse to give him another hearing, not with that reputation to leave it up? One morning, Dr. Martin Fitzhugh, a dentist in Dublin, Ireland, was shocked when one of his patients pointed out to him that the metal cup holder which he was using to rinse her mouth was not very clean. True, the patient drank from the paper cup, not the holder, but incertainty was not a professional to use tarnish equipment. When the patient left, Dr. Fitzherb repeated to his private office to write a note to Bridget, the charwoman, who came, who came twice a week to clean his office. He wrote, My dear Bridget, I see you so seldom. I thought I'd take the time to thank you for the fine job of cleaning you have been doing. By the way, I thought I had mentioned that since two hours twice a week is a very limited amount of time. Please feel free to walk an extra half an hour from time to time if you feel you need to do this once in a while. Things like policing the cups holders and like, uh, I of course will pay you for the extra time. The next day when I walked into my office, Dr. Fitchhawk reported, my decks had been polished to a mirror-like finish as had my chair, which I nearly slid out of. When I went into the treat treatment room, I found the shiniest, cleanest chrome plate cup holder I had ever seen nestled in its re receptacle. I had given my charwoman a fine reputation to leave it up, and because of this small gesture, she outperformed all her past efforts. How much additional time did she spend on this? That's right, none of all. There is an old saying, give a dog a bad name and you may as well hang him but give him a good name and see what happens. When Mrs. Ruth Hopkins, a fourth grade teacher in Brooklyn, New York, looked at her class roster the first day of her school, her excitement and joy of starting a new terms was tinged with anxiety. In her class this year, she would, she would have Tommy T, the school's most notorious bad boy. His third grade teacher had constantly complained about Tommy to colleagues, the principal and anyone else who could listen. He was not just mischievous. He caused serious discipline problems in the class, picked fights with the boys, teased the girls, was fresh to the teacher, and seemed to get worse as he grew older. His only redeeming feature was his ability to learn rapidly and master the school art easily. Mrs. Hopkins decided to face the Tommy problem immediately. When he greeted her new student, she made a little comment to each of them. Rose, that's a pretty dress you are wearing. Alicia. I had you drawn beautiful. When she came to Tommy, she looked him straight in his eyes and said, Tommy, 
I understand you are a natural leader. I'm going to depend on you to help me make this class the best class in the fourth grade in this year. She reinforced this over the first few days by complimenting. Told me on everything he had and commenting on how this showed what a good student he was. With that reputation to lift it up, even a nine-year-old couldn't let her down and he didn't. If you want to excel in that difficult leadership role of changing attitude or behavior others use. So now the principle number seven says that give other person a fine reputation to live it up to. And that's very good.